gives me great pleasure to say welcome to Zion this morning. If you were here last week, you would have uh, heard the first part of our journey, and, or, or certainly the first part of my messages on uh, the renaming of our church in line with who God says we are in the season we're moving into. There's a principle in the Bible of rebirth. We read about it in John chapter 1, when, uh, when Jamie read this morning that Jesus didn't come, that uh, he came that we, would, that we would experience a rebirth, not a natural birth, but a spiritual birth. And in John chapter 3, he has a chat with Nicodemus, and, and, um, and Nicodemus is asking questions about the kingdom, and Jesus says, unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom or inherit the kingdom. And, and so part of this rebirth season we're in is where we're positioning ourselves for God to do something in us, for God to stir something inside of us that is a spiritual rebirth in connection with what God says about our future. Uh, the name birthed out of the promises God has given this church uh, around uh, essentially what God wants to do, we believe in Te Aumudu, and it's not just about this small group of people, and it's definitely not about this building and all this location. It's about the church who are the people who come together and glorify the one true God in a way where his, his manifest glory might make itself visible amongst us, like the days of old. You know, I don't know what that looks like. Jesus said to, uh, I think it was Nathaniel in John chapter 1, he said, you will see greater things than this. You'll see a stairway, a staircase descending from heaven to earth and, on, and you'll see angels ascending and descending upon that staircase. Man, I'd love to see that. Might freak me out a bit. But you know, this manifest um, connection with God that we can have. So this name births out of that, and there's a lot more uh, explanation than I've got time to do here, but please come along the journey. Come along and join the conversation. There's, uh, at the end, you'll see um, our URL that points to our YouTube channel where we're just starting to post short videos that explain that. I'm going to put a whole bunch more up this week. Um, but essentially what we're trying to do is to build, build a place where we resonate with what God's saying. There's a saying that we, where we say everyone needs a spiritual home. And what we mean by that is not necessarily just a physical building. What we mean by that is a family where we can come together in connection, where we can, we can stand together with others and know that we have this koinonia, as Craig just shared, the communion, the fellowship, the participation in each other's lives with each other for God's purpose. That whatever God has ordained for us, we would participate in that together. That's what this means. But it also speaks to others who are searching there's been a lot of spiritual talk in the last week about tolerance and acceptance and what's right and what's wrong. But the point is this, inside every human being is the nature of God. Because he was very particular when he designed mankind in his image. So whether someone professes faith in Jesus Christ or not, whether they pray to a God of their choice or they don't believe in a God, there's no denying that inside the core of every human being is a spiritual hunger. And unless you're connected with the one true God, that hunger goes unsatisfied. You search for other things. You try and find answers or make up answers. And, 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 and God's drawing us into this place where we might make a safe place 
You know, I always say to people when I meet them, you know, I believe that every one of us should be connected with God. And if this is the family that God's got for you, then come in. You're welcome to be part of this family. But if this isn't the right family for you, then I'm well connected with all the other ministers whom I honour, and I'll help you find the family. But you should have a family, a spiritual home, a place where you engage. And as Craig so aptly shared, the koinonia, the participation and fellowship of the faith that we live so the purpose of this is that everyone has a spiritual home. We connect into a place, and, and, and the Bible says, we saw this last week, watch the podcast, or listen to it, but we are Zion people. We are called by God in Scripture, the people of Zion. It's, a, it's not a physical place, it's a spiritual concept that, that we're going to look into today because um, God is drawing us into participation with Him. All right? You can work together and do really, really well, but unless you're working with God, really, what are you building? And so Zion people are ones that come together. We're Zion people. And I want to shift gears today, and I want to talk about uh, where, what it might mean for you. And uh, every one of us are on a different journey, uh, some just passing through town, some connected, some not here, some watching online. Um, whatever it is for you, may, may you find what God would say to you today in this. So, so the angle I want to go down today is this key phrase, our identity comes from our mountain. I want to talk about this concept today. Our identity comes from our mountain. This may seem strange to you, uh, but uh, the landing point, just so I can give away the punchline in case you're confused already, the landing point is, of course, reference to the spiritual Mount Zion that is talked about in Scripture. But we'll get there, because we've got a wee way to go to get there for you to understand what I'm trying to achieve. So today what I want to do is I want to tell you the tale of two mountains. The perp- this is the title of the message for those of you that like to write notes. The tale of two mountains. And I want to take us on a journey where we can really engage with what God is saying to us personally. That's your job. I'm, I'm going I'm to speak my thoughts, but you know, may the Spirit of God help those words settle in your heart for where you're at and what your need is. Everyone needs a spiritual home. Everyone needs to be connected to God as their father, their savior, and their guide and their comfort. That's your responsibility. At the end, I'll make that quite clear for you. So I want to speak about the tale of two mountains. Um, Not biblical teaching today, but something quite practical, but something that will stir you. So let's have a look at this. And I have got some help today. I've I've brought in some sponsors uh, to help me. What I want to start with today is I want to start with, because we live in New Zealand, and because our heritage is rooted in Māori culture, I want to start with that. And some of this might be new to you, but I want you to just let me share something with you because God is in every culture and every race. Or is he just with the white people? Of course not. God is in every nation across the world. God is in every race and every culture. He's, he's entwined in everything. And we can learn so much from the diversity that God's created. All right? So let's have a look at this. So what I want to do is start with the big picture and then drill down to you. And like I said, uh, we've had a little bit of fun this week in staff, and I've really got myself tongue-tied with Tereo. And so I have got some sponsored help uh, to help me with that. What I want to start with, uh, first and foremost, is this, uh, this concept here. Ooh. And uh, it's just so engrossed that I fall over. But have a look at this, but have a listen to this, because you've got to get pronunciation right. See? Didn't have to say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have to say it. 
Whakapananga Tanga. Yeah, there you go. This reminds me because my tereo is very bad, uh, although I try, I try feeble attempts. Anyway, big picture. What is God showing us through the Māori culture? The Māori have this belief that there's this whanaka whanangatanga that is like a big picture, the family community that we're part of. And when we look as far as we can see in the, in the tribal context, we see this picture. This is how the Māori believe. They, they, they want to know where they're grounded and where they're connected. It's very important to them because it's where they get their identity from. And I want you to see this today too. So then, uh, inside that word though, watch this, there's another word. All right? So what we do is we take the big picture, we drill down a level, and we see that this word here, which, listen. Whananga. Whananga. All right? So inside that word is, is the word for our kin or our family, our wider family community. So what the Māori believers is this big picture of community, and inside community, there's our wider family. Now inside that, you will recognise this word if you've been in New Zealand more than five minutes, there's a word whānau. It's, it's caught up in there. And if we, if we look at the meaning of that, I won't play that word for you because everyone who's been in New Zealand five minutes knows that word or has heard it. It's our family, it's a whānau, it's our family group, it's those people that we live with day to day in an intimate space. Haven't lost you yet, have I? Okay, good. Well, inside this word, look at this. There's another word. It's a little word. Oh. And, and this is me. This is my essence. So inside a family is a bunch of me's. Think of it, your family. You're one unit. You're, you're, you're bound together. But each of you are individuals inside that unit. Does that make sense? So the Māori believe there's this wider context, as far as you can see, is your tribe or your community, your whakawhanangatanga, and then it drills down and down until it's you, and there's lots of us that make up a community. Does that make sense? Yeah. This is Māori culture. This is a white man trying to connect with what's going on in our nation and doing it with help. <laughs> but have a look at this. This is the point, and we'll translate it, because there's a tale of two mountains, Look at this. You are part of something much, much bigger. Your essence, who you are, your individuality, your character, your gifts, and, and who God made you to be, the intimate design of you, the person, is inside something far bigger. And the Māori believe it's not about an individual view of life. The Māori believe it's about you need to understand your context. You need to understand your community. You need to understand the big picture because you're part of something much, much bigger than you. And in the Western world, predominantly, we've just made about us. Well, I've got to be happy. It's all about me. I've got to be, I've got to be certain of who I am and I want people to know who I am and I want to be all about me. But the money goes, no, 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 you've got it wrong. You are valued, you are important, you are treasured, but you're part of something much, much bigger. What does this mean? The Māori believe when you know where you stand, you begin to understand how you can contribute to the world. Without that, without knowing who you are, but in context of a big, big picture, you cannot begin to comprehend how you personally can contribute to your community and to the wider world. And this is where we get the word for mountain. 
Because You get your identity from that. And if you've ever been on Marae, or you've ever been in a meeting, I was in a government meeting recently, and the lady looked at us and she said, oh, how do you guys start your meetings? And I'm like, with a cup of tea? (laughs) But what she actually meant was, where's your pipiha? You know, what's what's your introduction that tells me who you are, but a part of a bigger picture? She wanted to, you know, us to go around the room, and I mean, I don't even know what my waka was. I'm embarrassed to say. Because what they're saying is you are important and valued, but you're part of something bigger. And when you understand that picture, when you understand what your mountain is, you get your identity from that. Therefore, you know what your mission is, what your purpose is, how you can contribute to the world, not take from the world. That's the way the Māori believe. That's, that's, that's our nation. That's our heritage. That's part of our local landscape. It's very important that we get this principle. Because, you see, we get our identity from a mountain. Make sense? Haven't lost you yet? Okay, some of you are lost. That's all right. Listen to this again. Watch the video. It'll all be good. So our identity comes from our mountain. Now, what does that mean for us in local context? So I had some people, one of, my, um, one of our friendly interns, do some research for me. And she found this image, which I just want to give full credit to local artist Tony Kingston, who painted this, is Mount Kakapuka. Richard and Bronnie have a painting in their dining room. Yeah? Similar, but different. But uh, I'm not stealing this, I'm not publishing it, I'm just showing it to you. What I'm thinking of doing is proposing to the elders that we ask Tony to paint us our own version with a spiritual context. All right, so I'm not trying to rip anyone off. Please don't take a photo of that and share it anywhere. But this is our local mountain. If you stand in town, you can probably see it. If you go for a short drive to the west, you'll find it. If you're really mad, you can go for a walk up it. If you're like Kathy, you can trip over halfway down. If you want to know why she's wearing a moon boot, it's because the mountain won the other night. In the dark, in the dusk, she just stumbled and tore all the ligaments. Mount Kakapuku claims another victim. And it has many, because three years ago it was me. It was limping. So this is our local mountain. We, well, I don't think there's much argument. You can see Prongia and there's other mountains around us for sure. But what I'm proposing is there's a reason why Mount Kakapuka is our mountain. 1984, I shared last week, this church, this community church was birthed when a man called Brian and his wife, Hannah, came back to their homeland of Taumudu to plant a church so that people would hear the message of Jesus Christ. And it's really important that we understand that this church was birthed out of the call on a man's life, and that man was Brian Tamaki. Whether you believe what you read in the papers this week, he doesn't help himself, okay? But let's ignore current news, and let's think back to 1984, 
when a young man filled with the passion and the fire of God responded to the call of God and said, I will go back to my homeland, my place of birth, my mountain, and I will there proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Brian Tamaki was part of Te Kopua Marae and was born in the shadow of Mount Kakapuku, raised by the local iwi there, his, his whanau on the mountain. So we could say, if we were doing our, our, our pipiha, we could say that our mountain, our monga, is Mount Kakapuku, because our father, our spiritual father, the founder of this church, was birthed there. And our heritage flows out of that. Are all fathers perfect? No. <laughs> no. But you can't deny who they are. And I'm not getting weird about this, and I'm not saying we're becoming Destiny Church or anything silly, but, but, but understand the journey of where we began. What's our connection? What's our history? Why is that important? Because physically, geographically, we get our identity from our mountain. Make sense? Some of you, I'm not trying to convince you, I'm trying to show you something. Let's talk about this from a biblical perspective. What does this mean for us? Those of us who come together to call ourselves Christians, confess our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. Where do we get our identity from? Scripture tells us. Let's have a look at it. So I'm going to put some scriptures on the screen for you. We're saved by grace. Ephesians 2. Let me read it to you from verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you've done, so none of us can boast about it. For we're God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. We're saved only by grace and by God's grace alone are we called into a place of fellowship with him. Because without him, we're outside of that. And there's a whole lot more in that. Let's look at another one. A couple of years ago, I did a message from Romans 11, grafted in. And Paul uses the, um, the agricultural picture of um, the Jewish people being the original vine of God. And that some, he's getting a bit, we, uh, like a bit heavy in this one because he's saying some of those vines, those branches were cut off. But he said, the Gentiles, some of us, have been grafted in. And he's using that, that agricultural picture of, of taking a, a, a true plant and bringing in something that is not true and grafting it so that it becomes one with the original. And they're inseparable. So you can see on the screen, Romans 11, verses 17 and 18. Some of the branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel, have been broken off. And you Gentiles, who live in Rome, he's writing to, who were branches from a wild olive tree, have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. But you mustn't brag about being grafted in. You're just a branch, not the root. But, but Paul's saying, come on, you've got to understand you're, you're part of something bigger than you. You're brought in by God's grace and you're part of the whole. It's as if you were always there when you're grafted in. Okay? So we're starting to see how God connects us so we can find our identity. What's the next statement? We're adopted. Let's look at Paul's letter to the church in 
Galatia, he writes in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. When the right time came, another translation says, in the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him, the son, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Because we're his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you're no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you're his child, God made you his heir. So we're seeing that God, by his grace, brings us into a place where we can respond to his love. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, we're grafted in, we become part of that tree. And then God says, now you're adopted. You get all the privileges as a son or a daughter. Everything that's mine is yours because of what Jesus has paid for. You're an heir to the promises of God. There's an intimate connection there. Let's look at one more. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See how very much the Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. The people who belong to this world don't recognize we're God's children because they don't know him. They don't have that personal intimacy with God. So what am I trying to propose to you? Well, this is just the gospel message of Jesus Christ. God loved the world. God wanted us to be part of his family. So he, by his grace, calls us into a place where we can receive that love. But we've got to choose it. As we choose God's love, we're grafted in. We're part of something bigger than ourselves. We're adopted as children, access to all the inheritance that God has stored up for us. His goodness, his love, his mercy, his provision, his kindness, his purpose. And we get called children. Look at the four levels, though. There's a bigger picture than just you. We're part of something much, much bigger. God says, no longer Jew or Gentile. There's one family, and it's my family, God says. We're part of something bigger. What, why am I trying to make this point? I'm trying to help you see that God has saved you personally. God loves you personally. He's called you into an intimate relationship that you would, you would have communion, fellowship, koinonia with him and what Jesus has done for you. But it's not about you. You're part of something bigger. You're part of the wider plan of God. You're part of the purposes of God. You're connected with others. As, again, as we heard this morning, the koinonia, the coming around the Lord's Supper, is not just that we would take a cracker and juice and feel good. It's that we would remember how we came to participate in this relationship, in this, this kingdom that God has prepared for us. What does all this mean for us? What does this mean? This is what it means. Our identity comes from our mountain. The scripture that I shared last week, this is not a physical thing. This is a spiritual thing. In in Hebrews chapter 12, really we find the anchor, I suppose, for us coming to a place where we recognize who God has called us to be in this season. As we have the spiritual rebirth, as we stand and say, we are Zion people, we're saying, okay, we resonate with what God has promised, and we're prophesying it when we use the name, and we're hoping and believing that God will birth something new in us for our ability to carry the promise when his timing is made perfect. We've got to get that identity right. So Hebrews 12 says this, in contrast the writer says, 
You haven't come to a physical mountain. So it's not about a building. It's not even about a sign or a website or a, or a tag or a T-shirt. You haven't come to a physical place. The contrast is obviously then that you've come to a spiritual place. And, and the writer says that in a minute. But in verse 18, he says, you can come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwinds, like the Israelites did at Mount Sinai when they received the law. For they heard a trumpet blast and a voice so terrible, they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under his command. This is a different picture. The contrast is it's not about that anymore. There's a new way. And then in verse 22, no, you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem. Study the scriptures and you'll see that we're, we're called up into a place to live with God where Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand. We're to live from perspective of heaven on earth. What is there is for us today. That's not, that's not crazy, it's biblical. You know, in our wrestling match, our tension, our struggle was to well, it's not like what I see, God, but can I have faith to believe that you would make it so? So this heavenly concept, this spiritual life that God's called us into, to the countless thousands of angels in gathering, you've come to the assembly of God's firstborn. You, you have come to God himself. There it is, the personal connection with God that he desires for every one of his children. Please don't have a relationship with God through me. I will do my best to lead you. That's why I must go away from you <laughs> so I can come back to you. But, but, but don't rely on that. Where's your personal relationship? It was, God's calling you into that significant moment of confession of faith in Jesus and then the life that flows out of that. That's what we're called into, to a new covenant. You come to Jesus who mediates the new covenant between God and his people to his sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness instead of vengeance. He's saying, look, Jesus is the only way for you to experience this, to come into that place that God's called us to live with him. So it's a picture of something spiritual that's the life of design that God has for us. What does that mean for us in today's message? Where you stand, when you know where you stand, you can understand how you can contribute to the world. Yeah. Why am I talking about identity? When you grasp what God's made available for you and what many of you have probably accepted, when you grasp that, when you know that you've come to a place of spiritual encounter with the God who created all things, including you, you can then realize that he's got a plan for you that you can be part of something bigger. It's not just about you. It's about how can you contribute to the world. This is why I rooted today's message in Māori culture. Because I reckon they've got it perfect from a biblical perspective. We understand who you are, where your identity comes from, your father and the place that he's planted you in, you understand how you can contribute to the world. It's not about you. It's about something much, much bigger. I get the band to come and join me. We're going to land this message and have a time of worship. But why, why have I led you to this point? The reason I've led you to this point is ultimately for you to decide 
where you're planted. Let's think about Brian Tamaki for a minute. Born on the shadow of Mount Kakapuku in Te Morai, part of a, a whānau, but part of something much, much bigger, culturally speaking. His identity is never going to change because he's rooted in that history. That's a physical comparison to what I'm now saying spiritually. God has birthed something in you that is created in his identity and his image that makes you who you are. But you're part of something much, much bigger. There's a local landscape that God's planted you in. And here we talk about family all the time. And by family, I mean those of us that choose to make this their home. We're part of something bigger. But you've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to identify. You've got to choose to connect with and acknowledge the mountain, your mountain. Because when you know where you stand and you confess where you stand, from there you understand how you can contribute to the world. And the reason most Christians live an impotent life is because they have no idea or certainly no confession of what they're connected to that's bigger than themselves. It's called honour, and it's a kingdom principle. It's called covenant. It's a kingdom principle. It's called Fano. It's a kingdom principle. We're part of something bigger. So at the close of the message, I'm really just asking you, where do you stand? Will you stand? Will you confess and accept to be part of something bigger than yourself? Because we're Zion people. God's called us to be Zion people. God's professed a promise that the elders have believed and accepted, and all our hope is in that God would fulfill those promises. And part of that is the confession that we're Zion people. Because when we say that, we prophesy God's promise. The question is, where do you stand? Will you stand? Good response. The choice is yours. There's no compulsion. Do what you like. But the significance of choosing to be part of something bigger than yourself means you access what God's got for you. And I pray that you go on a journey. I'm not asking you to sign a blood pledge with your wrist slit. I'm asking you to think about where is God calling me to be and for what purpose. All right? So as we sing, the band's going to lead us in a song. It's all about the mystery of God. Because God is truly a God of mystery. I, I would never ever say that I know all the answers. He does. And I've chosen to say yes to God, even though sometimes I don't know the question. So you might not get all you might not get it all right today. You might not have all the facts. You might not even be resolute in what you're doing today. You might say, hey, look, I'm still processing this. That's absolutely fine. But understand who we are. We're Zion people. Because God calls us into that place of walking with Him. Let's just worship Him. Let's worship Him.